Today I'm here with Ken Nichols, and he's a local artist here in town, amongst other things. And I was given his name by a woman who goes to our yoga studio, and she had a lot of amazing things to say, and I'm looking forward to hearing Ken's story. So first of all, Ken, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Absolutely. And then, as I like to do, can you just initially describe the setting where we're meeting today and why why we're meeting in this location? Yep. Uh, we're at Clayscapes Pottery. And um, I, I'm a potter among a lot of things, and it's one of the things I really like to do. And every Friday, I, I have my pottery day. The whole day, I just come in here and I put on my Pandora, and I call it Funky Friday, put on my James Brown uh, playlist, and just listen to good music. Make, mostly I make mugs, rice bowls, and things like that. And just generally, it's, it's a wonderful thing to do <laughs> on a Friday. And, that's where you'll always find me, pretty much. Sounds very peaceful, and it's, it's nice and it is nice and quiet, time. and it's really incredible the amount of um, pottery pieces that are in here. I'm I've never been down here, been in the building obviously many times, but never into the studio, and it's really a remarkable place. You should check out. People should come actually and check out. We have a nice gallery here um, that Don has, and uh, you can buy pottery and look at pottery and good prices and a lot of really good stuff is that know about mostly from the people that come here or just, is it uh, he, he does shows you know for other people that aren't here but a lot of it's just people who are in the studio and make stuff and there's a lot of incredible talent and good stuff wow well it's really a, a neat place so i i want to start in looking forward to hearing your story and i want to go back where did i mean art's a big part of your life uh-huh. and, and it's something that i have never I've always wanted to be good at it, like drawing or clay, or, but it's something that I've, even growing up in, in throughout school, I always struggled with. I loved it, but I, always, I looked at people sitting next to me, and it was just mind-blowing what people can do. So I'm always blown away. So where did the, where did the direction or the love of, of art and what other forms of art do you do? You do? Um, it, it started out, I always drew as a kid, and my parents always you know, had paper and crayons and color books, whatever, and... Uh, and, you know, I just kept doing it, kept doing it. And then high school, you know, you have to pick what you want to do. And I thought, well, I guess I want to be an artist because that's essentially what I like doing most. And uh, I wasn't quite sure. I knew I wasn't going to be a painter or like that and make a living. And so I knew I was going to do commercial art if you want to make some money and live. And so then I went to RIT and initially thinking I was going to be a commercial artist and then I didn't like their program because I wanted to learn to draw and paint and like that and so I became a drawing and painting major and I graduated with a BFA and then I got out of school and I knew I wasn't gonna make money doing that and I freelanced a little bit and I just lucked into a job at a little tiny agency and those were the days when you could you know draw and paint in an agency because they didn't have the internet and no computers or anything else in the old dinosaur days and actually had to do stuff by hand. And so I just lucked into a job. I mean, literally they were looking for somebody to glue capacitors in a, in a little case they were making for salesmen for corning. And I just happened to, you know, right time, walk in the door and they said, okay, we'll tie you temporarily do this. And in those days they did slideshows and you painted on acetate like animation. And so they needed somebody to do that and they saw I could do it. It's like, duh. I was a painting major, and so they hired me to help the photographer out processing the stuff and and to make slides because I could draw and paint. They found out, 
And I just went from there, two other jobs, got computers early in another place. I worked for a long time and just have been a you know, graphic designer for the last four years. And it's, you know, and plus along with my other artwork, you know, drawing, painting, and the last 14 years, pottery also, and that's expanded into textile and a lot of stuff. So you see on the show Mad Men, yeah. you see them do the illustrations for their marketing campaigns. Yeah. So that was literally what that was, you were doing that when they would go to pitch a company? What, yeah, kind of like that. Um, I worked a lot for more industrial than commercial, and so a lot of it would be commercial agencies would come to us to get a lot of like industrial shows done for like Carrier or someplace like that, or Corning. And uh, so I was, I, I wasn't, it was creative, but it was a lot of technical also, like a lot of technical inky and, and things like that. And just, um, and it's always been, you know, decent to do. It's, I never really thought of um, switching careers, really. It's a, it's a pretty easy gig, I think, so. And at what point did the, did the pottery part of it, because that seems to be a big big part of your, it's not obviously your career, but it's a big part I, of your I'm life. I'm trying to transition into it. Um, it's basically, you know, because I, I go to art shows and like that, and I walk around, I see pottery, and I always liked it, and I, I couldn't take it in college. I took one course because, you know, the electives, um, everybody wanted them, so you're lucky to get, you know, one outside of your major, essentially. And I always wanted to do it, and I thought, you know, someday I'm going to do this. And, um, you know, I, I work over in another wing of the complex that Clayscapes is in, and this was like 14, 15 years ago. And I, I knew they were like a clay distribution company, and but that was it. It's just, and, and then one day I'm, I'm looking in the penny saver for whatever reason. I didn't usually look, and I'm flipping through it. And I saw Clayscape's pottery. Don had just bought it, and he he's a potter, and he wants to start giving lessons and stuff here too. And so they, it was like a Tuesday night. The ad came out. I looked at it. I was there first thing Wednesday morning. I literally was their first student, you know, like 15 years oh, ago. Wow. And uh, I signed up, and I've been pretty much doing it ever since. And it's just it's just cool to do. You make useful art out of a lump of dirt. Now, what are some of the um, I, I know you said you have you know a few main things that you do, but what's been one of the things that you've stepped back from, and, or a couple of the things you've stepped back from after you finished it and just said, like, this is my masterpiece? Um, well, I didn't write a really masterpiece per se. Uh, the majority of what I do is mugs. People buy mugs. I love making mugs. And it's just, it's just neat. You, you start out with a lump of clay and you turn it into this you know, mini work of art that people use. And Syracuse is a very practical town um, where they look at, you know, a, a, my paintings, maybe a $400 painting, and they're like, well, it's nice, but, you know, I can't afford it, and I don't have to go for it. But they look at a $25 mug, and it's like, bingo. I Co love mugs. Co coffee's everything. That's it. Coffee's everything. And, and it's it's strange the attraction people have and the attachment they have to mugs. I've had people come up literally after they bought my mug, and they've had it for years and they broke it accidentally somehow, you know, dropped it on the cement floor like that, and they come up almost in tears, going, Ken, that was my favorite mug, and I almost, you know, I dropped it, and I, uh, what am I, it's like, it's okay, it's a mug, you know, I, I've got another, you know, 100 of them here you can choose from, and uh, it, it's just nice, because people, 
they don't need to buy a $25 mug. You know, they can go to Walmart, buy one for 99 cents, sure. and it does the same thing. But, you know, I just really, you know, to this day, I don't take it for granted. You know, I, I just, the people come up and spend their hard-earned money, you know, to buy my mugs. And I like to keep them priced where, especially kids, you know, high school or college kids, you know, they don't have a lot of money to throw around, or, or people that don't, and they, you know, it's just, they're buying a twenty twenty five dollar mug from me, or a thirty dollar bowl, and I appreciate it, you know, and you know, and plus it's a giant ego boost when people come up and they love your work, yeah. you know, oh. you got to you got to keep tucking your head in here you know, from swelling. Now, what what took you from just coming in to do it for the fun of it to starting to turn this into a business with a website and that? I mean, did you just have so many mugs that you just needed to do uh, that, something with it? That's part of it. That's part of it. Once you start getting into it, you keep producing and, uh, you know, your friends, after a while, they say, Ken, no more. No more. <laughs> I have no more room. Get away from me. Put that mug away. Too many Christmases in the Yeah, room. exactly. Um, but, and it's just people were starting to say, geez, Ken, I like your mugs. Can you sell them? And uh, I had a, a gallery for a year with some friends of mine and I'd sell them there. And... It, it just kind of like naturally evolved and now I do a lot of shows around and I have them in different places. I have a clay skate in their gallery and Eureka Crafts and Circus Soapworks and some other places and uh, it's just, it's a great thing. That's really neat. You know, I mean, you know, it, it supports my addiction essentially, you know, that, uh, you know, it, it pays for itself and a little extra gas money, so it's nice. Well, and I'm sure it keeps the clutter out of your house because you're just bringing, oh, it's not it, bringing it boxes makes, full uh, of... It makes it worse. Oh, all right. I, have, <laughs> I, I don't know why I'm not divorced right now yeah. because my I've got mugs on my porch and my living room. And Is your wife a coffee drinker? Uh, no. Oh, no. But unfortunately, I have I'm a wonder, wonderful wife. I mean, I drink tea and yeah. coffee, but I have a wonderful wife who, who does the shows with me. And uh, it puts up with this foolishness. And, and plus, it's a, the poverty people are nice people. And Clayscapes especially, it's, it's almost like the um, bar and Shears. You know, it's that it's a really tight family oh, and nice. nice. And anybody can walk in here and, and you know, do pottery. And everybody's wonderful. And it's just a great thing. And my wife, they probably like her more than like me. You know, they, <laughs> they see her and it's, it's, she helps with shows. And it's great. Now, um, I discovered, after hearing your name, the on your Facebook page, mm -hmm. you do the Daily Mandala, which yep. certainly uh, lines up with the yoga world. Yep. So where did where did that come from, and do you, cr we'll start with that, and then I've got many well, questions. Essentially, because um, I also, I, I, I've done martial arts for a million years, and I, I teach Tai Chi and everything, so I've always had the kind of like the Taoist philosophy head, okay. kind of like that. But it's a matter of there's just right now so much negativity in the world, and you know, I won't even go into the government, etc. But you know, it just makes me insane the way either people, you know, they, they trap themselves in their lives or they think they're powerless. And, and they're not. So I just want to put out, I, I make a Mandela daily. It's this great I ornament is the app and it's, it's just wonderful mm. and every day I post my Facebook page uh, Mandela with some kind of positive message or I, I try to and get the point across that anybody can change their life and do it everybody thinks there's some magic pill and they're waiting for somebody to come up and, and whisper I think a lot of that came from like Tai Chi the martial arts he thinks a little Chinese master is going to come up and whisper a secret in their ear and their life is going to be wonderful and 
you know, if there is a secret, you know, he's got to come up with whispering in the air, you know, it's all up to you, do the work, pal. Yeah. You know, and then, and it's, it's, it's the easiest thing and the hardest thing to be happy, I find. You know, you can change your life in a blink if you want to do it. And you don't need any special talent, you don't need special anything, you know, but people think it's some kind of, you know, they can't do it. Oh, sure, you can do it, Ken. They say, look at all the stuff you do, man, you can do it. But I, it's like, I'm a chump like everybody else. Yeah. You know, I, I, I call it my, my Mark Baker principle. It's this guy I knew, Mark Baker, that he was one of the few people that did everything he said he was going to. And it's just because he did it, you know, and, and I said, you know what, I'm going to try that. And, and I did, and it works. You want to do something, just go out and do it. You don't have to be perfect. You know, people, I don't know what. It, it just makes me crazy how they, you know, they're so down on themselves, or they, they yeah. think it's so hard to do, and, you know, anybody can do it but me. It's like, why are you so nice to everybody else and support them, but when it comes to yourself, you sit like, oh, no, I can't do it. It's like, yeah, you can yeah, there's a big lack of, um, well, I, I'd say care in general, but certainly self-care. Yeah. It seems like these days where we are apt to find um, reasons uh, why we should be unhappy yeah, rather yeah. than finding reasons why we should be happy and opening our eyes to... Yeah, and it's just perspective. Yeah. I, I, I probably the other day just, I, I semi-try to live by my words and I try to walk the walk. Um, but like, and I guess it was what's today Friday, so I think it was Wednesday. I'm walking out my front door, and I have two steps to go down to the little front porch we have. I step on the porch, and I slide in like I'm going into second base. You know, as I slide, my head slams against our fortunately flat aluminum door. You know, it flies open, hits a concrete planter, knocks that over, and so I'm laying in the snow. You know, one second I was up right next, I'm just laying in the snow going, what the heck just happened? And I'm taking a little, you know, inventory. Okay, my brain feels okay. My head seems okay. And nothing's broken I know of. And so then I'm starting like, are you kidding me? What a crappy way to start a day. <clears throat> and then I, I just tried to rearrange it. Like, Ken, are you kidding me? It's a great way to start the day. Look, you're fine. You're just covered with a little snow. You know, you could have been in the ER with major head trauma, broken everything, you know, horrible injuries or something, and oh, you know, gee, you have to brush the snow off your pants and uh, and go to work, you know, and it was just, you know, there's so many things like that that, that people, you know, if they would just adjust their thinking, you know, and it's like, uh, I don't know, my, my big thing too is like, hey, every morning I don't wake up in North Korea, I'm golden. Know, people sit there and they, they look for things to make their life miserable. Yeah. Oh, gee. You know, my cable's out. My life sucks. It's like, are you kidding me? You know, and, and it's just, I don't know why people jump to that. Uh, and and it's just, I mean, some things do suck. You know, if you have cancer or, you know, or, or someone died, but you're always like, well, that, that is a problem. You know, but at the same time, you know, that good comes from all situations usually. You know, and if you just look for it instead of piling on the bad, um, it's you know it will improve your life a million percent, and it's not hard. Yeah, and I found that a few years ago, um, I realized that I needed to have 
a repatterning in my mind. Mm-hmm. You know, you get you get so caught up and so affected by the people around you and, and uh, the events in the world, and uh, you know, it, it's just it could be so much worse. And and I don't know, it's it, it's just I shouldn't say strange to me, but it's just if you would just look around, it's always it can always be a hundred times worse. You know, and we can also make it a hundred times yeah, worse, or we can make it a hundred times yeah, better. That's the thing, and people don't realize you have the power to do that. You know, I, I listen to a lot of Tony Robbins. You know, I love him, and, and you know, a few people like that. And you know, what they say is true: it's like you make your life, and no one realizes that. No one wants to take their own responsibility and to do it. And they should. Now, where do you find most of the quotes? Where do you turn to for that kind of stuff to go with the mind? I just usually it's just pouring out of my brain. It's it's that simple. Like I, usually when I'm in the shower in the morning, and uh, you know I, I'm thinking, which is kind of a little pressure. I'm thinking, what am I going to say today? But usually it's just gonna be little things. To you know, I'll look out my backyard and, and see my birds around the bird feeder, and uh, think. You know what? I, I, I have hot, I've had hot water and a nice shower. I have a nice warm house. You know, I'm going to a job that gives me money. That you enjoy? Yeah, it's, it's fine. And, you know, I'm looking out my, in my backyard watching birds. It's like, my life does not suck. You know, I'm not focused on, like, oh, I gotta get up, I gotta go to work. I, you know, uh, it's like, like I said, I, I didn't wake up in North Korea. You know, I don't have to worry about secret police coming around or that I have no food or, you know, that my whole family's in some kind of, you know, gulag or, you know, I'm, I'm eating, picking grass to eat because I have no food or, or you know, places in Africa, how horrible it could be. And so, you know, I don't know. I, I just came to the realization, I guess, that, you know, nobody is going to fix your life for you. That's a problem. It's like, again, Anthony Robbins has got a thing out. I'm not your guru. You know, yeah. and, and people are because people can only help you along the way if you if you put your faith in someone else to you know solve your problems or change your life, you're going to be sadly disappointed because it's not going to work. Now, talk about this uh, this art scholarship that you started up. So, give a little bit of the background on that and what prompted it, what it's for. Tell because that's a pretty incredible thing to start. I mean, it's first of all extremely. Thoughtless, generous. I mean, it's it's really an, an incredible thing. So, talk about that a little bit. Well, I did start, uh, this last year was the third year I did it. It was just again, I, I have a tendency to go crazy once in a while. That everybody was pushing STEM in school. My, my wife's a retired teacher now, and so everybody's pushing STEM. You know, science, technology, and English, math, and it was just like you know, and they're just first thing they cut. They're pushing that first thing they cut with the arts. But every city or everything, when they want to enhance a city, Syracuse among them, you know, they have the arts corridor. They always turn to the arts. So I went to school in Providence, Rhode Island, and it was the same situation as they brought the artists back downtown. Yep. And that brought the Renaissance. Yep. And then once the artists build the place up, then the corporations come in and they can't afford it anymore. So they right. kick the artists out and they go to some other little area. But it just made me nuts. And I said, you know what? I'm going to. And first, I started. I started five hundred dollars of my own money. I'm taking my own money, and I went to Liverpool High School. Said so I'm going to go, and I walked in off the street basically, and you know, met the head of the arts. And I said, "Look, this is what I want to do. 
you pick a kid and you pick, I don't want to say, it's not a talent show because I wasn't the most talented artist by any means. So you pick a kid you think deserves it that's going to art school, you know, and, you know, and I'm going to, I'm starting off, I'm going to raise my own money and I'm going to solicit all my friends and, you know, and I'm just going to go and literally give you them a bunch of money at the end, you know, and to spend however they want to if, you know, because I went to kids, not, you know, not a scholarship or against their tuition, because I went to school with kids that they had a scholarship, but they couldn't afford supplies. Mm-hmm. I said, they, you know, put on your big boy pants, you can use this however you want. If if you go to OCC and you need, you know, a car, you know, your car's broken down, yeah. but you can't go to school. But, you know, if you need this money to fix your car, do it. Or if you need it against tuition or you need it for supplies, it's up to you. I'm just giving you a bunch of money, you know, whatever I collect. Said you, you know, I told the teacher, you pick the kid, you know, and uh, they want to kind of like do more ceremony stuff. Like, no, I'm not going to get into politics. I'm collecting money, every penny of it's going to some kid. If I have to meet him in the parking lot, I will, you know, I don't care. Your mom, dad, this is a chunk of cash, and, and they don't tell them who it's going to be. It's a surprise, which is great. And so the first year, I, I ended up collecting like $1,720 or something like that, and uh. Then I, I did it again, and then I, with a ceremony. Now they have they have an arts uh, festival like, and so the kid has no clue they're getting it, or do the parents, uh, but they make sure the parents show up. And so then I, same thing. I sit and I, you know, pick a kid. Got more. Second year there was like twenty nine hundred dollars I got. Last year I think I can't remember now. It was maybe like thirty five hundred or thirty three hundred something. It was over three thousand. And there was sort of 500 of my own money. I have generous friends that they give five, ten. I tell people it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Five dollars is a tube of paint for a kid that he doesn't have to buy. So, you know, and I've done it the last three years. I'm going to do it again this year. That, you know, the arts are important. You know, and I'm going to somehow, you know, and it's a small thing. But it's something, I and mean, people can do stuff like that. You know, it, it's everybody thinks somebody else has to do it. And the only reason I did it because I got mad, and I just again Mark Baker principle, just go on and do it. Yeah. And I collect from my friends, and I get a big envelope and give it to the kid and his parents and say, "There, use it." Yeah, um, I mean, I'm, I'm certainly guilty of, of the opposite of what you've done. Is you know, I say, "Oh man, it'd be really, really cool to do this," but I don't. I don't have the extra money to be able to do it, and then and then you just let the idea drop. Where you can, especially in a long term horizon situation, be able to really make a big difference with not a lot of money, and it just starts to snowball. Yeah, it's it, it doesn't take. I tell people, look, five bucks. You know, it's that simple. You know, don't feel guilty if you can't do five hundred. You know, but I have friends that do a hundred, fifty, twenty. I've had you know strangers they don't know me there and do they come up and give me fifty bucks. And again, there's no tax write-off, or, and you have yeah. to trust me, you know, but every penny goes to the kid, you know, and it's just easy. If, if I don't collect that much, oh, well, you know, it'll be 520 bucks if that's all I get. You know, it doesn't matter. It's something that the kid can take, and it's $500 more than he had or she had for the supplies or whatever they need it for. Why do you think that the arts seem to be one of the first things? It seems like arts and then athletics seem to be the things to go. Is it because it's the arts across the board, or 
not looked at as that integral for or that um, easy for people to make money down the road? Is it a yeah? It's hard to monetize it, but at the same time, um, you know, I, I get hit up constantly, constantly. And they always want pottery, which you know, I, which is fine. But at the same time, you know, whenever you go to these fundraisers, it's all artists from the people who, you know, lack a lot of, you know, disposable income a lot of times. You know, and you just never see, you know, nothing against doctors and lawyers like that. But you never, you never see them like, you know, a lawyer giving you a free will, you know, or, or a, a doctor giving you free blood tests for a fundraiser or something like that. It's always the artist. You know, give you a free painting, which, you know, and, you know, is there ever an accounting festival that brings people downtown? No. It's an arts festival that brings people downtown. So arts make money for people, but, you know, they can't, I don't know how, it's just not as, I'm not even sure why. I think because a lot of people think it's this esoteric thing that you don't need. But it's if you just look like around, a fun thing. Yeah, it's, it's a frivolous. Thing. Yeah. But if you look around, like, you know, you need fun things. That's what brings people downtown, or that's what brings people to different things. You know, you go to cities and, you know, tour their hospitals. You know, what do you do? You tour their museums, you know. And I don't know, the arts is just important. Uh, but, you know, they, they just seem to... You know, my, my wife, again, she taught for a, a lot of years. She was an elementary teacher. And one of her art teachers, she literally had under $3 a student for supplies for the entire year. You know? Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, and, and it's like, I don't know. And, and again, it's, I think a lot of people were discouraged when they were kids doing art because they think, oh, I'm not as, you know, they think they have to be a, another Rembrandt or something. They can't just do it for fun. And I think that's an idea of trying to get people out of their head. like. Pottery, just come and do it for fun. Yeah, you don't have to make anything other than a you know a mug that you can use that you made. Yeah, you know it's. Well, I know that for somebody who was not a art centered person, I always loved going to art class, and every so often there was that one drawing or that one chalk art, whatever it might be, where I did I stepped back and I said, "This is good." Yeah. And then the next one came, and I said, okay, we're back yeah, to well, this not being your thing. Is, you know, say, I had it available. And then somebody will come up and say, like, oh, what's that? True. And, you know, just blow some little kid's yeah, ego that's to true. And, uh, and it's it's hard to get over that hump. People always think, well, I'm not an artist. Like, yeah, everybody's an artist. It's like everything else, you just have to do it. It takes practice. Yeah. People think, you know, if you saw my stuff, that I did going into college versus when I came out of college. That's because I worked hard for four years, you know, or as hard as artists work. <laughs> you know, I have to preface that. Um, but or the same thing. The first, I, I have a little piece on my shelf here, the, the studio, that when people say, "Oh, Ken, your stuff's so nice, I can't do that." I walk over, take this piece off my shelf, and see this. This is the first thing I ever did. I'm like, wow, that sucks. It's like, yeah. You know? <laughs> so yeah. you know, you know why my stuff is okay now? It's because I've it. done it for fifteen years. You know. Yeah. Well, what is it? They say uh, you've got to spend ten thousand hours doing one thing before you become an oh, expert yeah. at it. Because that's you know, again, that sort of goes back to my martial arts background. Yeah. And my instructor used to say, "Hey, you know, if you can't do a, a technique, if you can't do it after ten times or a hundred times, or you know, don't come talking to me." 
you know, if you can't do it after a thousand times, then I'll come back and show you again. But it's like, you know, you just do it once. You know, don't even talk to me. Now, what got you, we'll discuss the Tai Chi really quickly. So what, what, how did you get into that? And now you mentioned that you teach it. Yeah. And so give me the backstory on that. And then where is it that you teach it? Um, I teach at Salt City Karate in Maryville. Um, it's just, uh, I was always interested in it, and I got the same thing, Bruce Lee craze back in the 70s, watching, you know, Kung Fu movies and stuff, and I just started, you know, training, and it's the same thing, you know, I've just done it and done it, perseverance, I, you know, that's one thing I, I do have, I outlast people, I may not be the best, but I will outlast you, you know, and perseverance is part of my personality trait, and, uh, I just, and I was fortunately, just by happenstance, I lucked into, a, you know, very good instructors, you know, along the way. But a lot of it's just doing it yourself too, practicing. A lot of people get, you know, they go to school or they get an instructor and then something happens, school closes or the instructor goes away and then they stop, you know. And I just kept on doing it and doing it. And, and Tai Chi, it's just a wonderful, I, I trained it kind of as a martial art. And now it's, you know, most people go for health benefits and like that, which is great, or balance or anything. 